0: If we needed just two words to convey the sentiments that lies behind the emblems of the bread and wine we could hardly choose better than mercy and forgiveness. We all stand in need of both and the emblems symbolize the means by which God has freely extended his mercy and forgiveness to each of us by the death of his own son. Now it so happens that events surrounding two instances in Mark 2 illustrate these attributes in action. The healing of the paralyzed man, forgiveness, and the call of Matthew, mercy. Mark is a comparatively abbreviated account of the first incident. But from Luke we learn that it was quite an official occasion in the building. There were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem as is found in Luke 5, verse 17. It was also a public building, for Luke also mentions that the roof was covered with tiles, the Greek kiramos, from which we get our word ceramic. This suggests that the house was a building, such as a synagogue, as the ordinary houses were roofed with much less less permanent material. It therefore seems that this was the first concerted attempt by the Jewish leaders from all over the land to assess the message of this new preacher. Add to these officials... The crowds that normally throng around Jesus and we have an audience that filled the place and spilled outside every neck craning, and every ear cocked to catch the words of the preacher. And what did they learn? In a most dramatic fashion they discovered that this man had power and authority above all other men his preaching was interrupted by a noise of the roof tiles being removed and then a pallet bearing an immobile man was slowly lowered to the feet of Jesus this was the only way he could approach the great healer the normal entrance being blocked by the crowds including the Pharisees and other religious leaders. Unable to move his limbs and maybe not even able to speak. The only thing the sick man could do as he lay there in the shaft of light streaming in through the broken roof was to look beseechingly at Jesus. How the scene must have etched itself into the memory of everyone present. With bated breath, they all watched. Then came the quiet words of comfort. This is found in Matthew chapter 9, chapter 2. Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven. How differently were these words received around the room. To the paralyzed man, they gave hope. The end to his affliction was in sight. But the officials heard it only to criticize. Why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? Jesus said to them that the power to forgive sin was the same as that to do miracles. One was the evidence of the other. So turning to the afflicted sinner, he said, Arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thy house. So the now happy man jumped up and made his way through the crowds, completely healed and forgiven. And the Pharisees went their way, puzzled at these very unorthodox events. By nature, each one of us is like that paralyzed man. In his case, the link between his brain, yes, between his brain, His brain wool and his body was broken. And the cause of that was sin, possibly in this case, his illness was brought on by his way of life. We too have a body that naturally does not respond to our will. This is exactly what Paul describes in Romans chapter 7. For I know that in me there is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to do for to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not that I do. Now if I do that I wouldn't not It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my body, O wretched man, that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Romans 18, verse 24. And the only way to obtain deliverance from this situation is to come to Jesus, as did the paralyzed man, as in the past. This cannot be done by way of the so-called religious leaders of the day. They would only be an impediment. But, Like the impotent man, we must come personally and and at any cost until we find ourselves at his feet. We then can be associated with his healing mission and the body of this death delivered. So Paul goes on to say in verse 25 that Romans 18, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Jesus died to make possible the forgiveness of this sin that dwelleth in us. As we recall at each memorial meeting, we must take the emblems in complete confidence. Apart from being actually dead, the paralyzed man could hardly have been in a worse case. Yet, yet, he left the presence of Jesus completely healed. So it is with us. We sometimes are burdened with the knowledge of our own weakness, the failure of our body to respond to what our head knows to be right. But if we throw ourselves on the mercy of Jesus at his feet, we will be forgiven as surely as completely as was the paralysed man. As the Hebrews tell us, wherefore he is able also to save them in the uttermost that come unto God by him. There are only three simple conditions that in faith we really believe that he can do this. That we repent of our failings, and that we extend to others the same forgiveness that we hope to receive. The last point is elaborated by the next incident recorded in our chapter in 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 Luke in uh, Matthew. Uh, leaving the building, Jesus walked to the lakeside to a custom post strategically situated to collect jewels from each traffic on the lake or the merchant caravans on the trade routes that converge on Galilee. There seems little doubt that Matthew the customs officer had often heard Jesus preaching and was already favourably disposed to him. He may even have been a secret disciple. But how could he, one of the most hated members of the society and a social outcast, expect to be recognised by so great a teacher? Imagine his delight when Jesus came to him with that simple two-word command, follow me matthew needed no second thoughts he immediately left everything money career prospects and followed jesus we could each ask what would what i have done this, would i have done the same matthew wanted to show his appreciation of his call cool, so as befitting his prosperous circumstances He made a great feast for Jesus in his house. He called all his fellow tax collectors to meet his new master. As ever, the Pharisees were hovering around, hoping for something to criticize. And they belittled Jesus to his disciples, saying that if their master was a true Jew... He wouldn't associate with that sort of people. As soon as Jesus heard this he rounded on them with the word these words in Matthew nine, twelve to thirteen They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Yes, he directed them to their own scriptures that they professed to revere and follow. God did not want mere formal observance of his law. Mercy and understanding of others was more important. Jesus could also have referred them to some words from Isaiah Israel had all the appearance of a righteous nation like the Pharisees they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness Isaiah 58 verse 2 but in reality they fasted for strife and debate, debate and to smite with the fist of wickedness. Verse 4 of Isaiah. Rather was not the true worship to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring thee poor that are cast out to thy house. When thou seest that that naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thy own flesh. Isaiah, in the same chapter of Isaiah, verses 6 and 7. This is a lesson the Pharisees could not learn. They judged Jesus because, in their eyes, he broke the accepted traditions. They failed to appreciate the underlying spirit of his message. They judge without mercy. There's something for us to learn here. We are often reminded that our personal forgiveness is dependent on our forgiving others. As is clearly stated in the Lord's Prayer. We may sometimes forget that our Lord's teaching about judging others is similar. We receive the same mercy at the judgment seat that we have shown to others, as in Matthew chapter seven, one verses one to two. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. What did Jesus mean? Are we never to disapprove of breaches of Christ's commands? Not to censor others? Or even never withdraw from them? No, that can be our duty. But on such occasions, it is not ourselves that are judging. It is God, in his word, whose specific commands are being broken. But when it comes to matters of personal interpretation of general commands, such as separation from the world and other matters of conscience, each each of us probably interpret the command slightly differently. Now in things that are matters of personal response, and again we emphasize that we are not talking about specific commands involving such things as doctrine, immortality, etc. Then scripture is absolutely, absolutely clear. We are not to judge others who are thou that judges another man's servant to his own master. He standeth or falleth. Romans chapter 14 verse 4. And judge nothing before the time until the Lord come who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsel of the heart First of Corinthians, chapters 4 and 5. Uh, ch- chapter 4, verse 5. Now, if we see a fellow, bro- fellow brother or sister doing something that seems to us to be wrong or unwise, we should, of course, advise or warn them. But we should never judge them in our minds. We simply cannot know all these circumstances I expect each one of us has at some time mentally judged another over some matter only to find that when we know all the particulars we have misjudged them we can see only the external rarely can we correctly assess motives and the counsel. Of the heart. James warns us in his words, reminiscent of those of our Lord we are considering. Yes, the second of James, chapters 12 and 13. So speak ye, and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy that has shown no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. And that day is soon coming when each of us will have to account personally for the way we have interpreted it and kept the commands. Every one of us shall give an account of himself to God, Romans fourteen verse twelve. Yes, what others have done or not done, we be irre- irrelevant of that at that moment. It will be the crisis, the turning point of each life. Will it be the left hand? and disgrace or the right side and eternal life. How much we need mercy and forgiveness in that day. How great will be the need that mercy rejoiceth against judgment. And we will obtain pardon if we have really tried to obey, if we have forgotten, if we have forgiven others and been merciful. Jesus, we are told, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Jesus we face then will be the same Jesus that we read of in the Gospels. The one who said to the sinning man, Son, be of good cheer. And to the sick woman, to the sick woman daughter daughter be of good comfort but there will be no one different then no but there will be one difference then the relationship we have changed may he may be in that day say to each one of us not son Not daughter, but brother, sister, thy sins are forgiven thee.